0: everybody. Welcome to Dying with the Divine. I'm Ashley, your host, and together we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, and all that good stuff. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about the history of tarot and maybe ancient beginnings of a modern religion. Everybody, welcome to the show. I hope everybody had a great week, and if you didn't, I hope it gets way better for you. Today, we have a fantastic guest, Rhonda. Alan, she is a psychic and reader of both Oracle and tarot cards, as well as an instructor and the founder of Northern New Jersey Tarot. She purchased her first deck of divination cards at the age of 12 and has worked with them ever since. Rhonda has studied tarot with some of the most respected and accomplished readers, authors, and deck designers in the tarot community. Hey, Rhonda, how are you?
1: I am doing well, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me
0: yes this is exciting i know i'm excited too <laughs> i know i met you years ago i think at readers like, a studio yeah there we yeah. go i was totally yeah. blanking for a second i was yeah, like what no, you're right yeah oh my god that was a long time ago yes oh my gosh and i feel since then like you have we're gonna talk all about you for a minute but you have this group northern new jersey tarot somebody even the other day was like have you heard of this i was like yeah i've heard of her she's super nice i was like, <laughs> <laughs> so Thank you. Yeah, and I know in your group you it's really great. Like you have guests come in and it's just a really good group of people. Okay, let's just start at the beginning. I'm, I'm getting ahead of yeah, myself. Yeah. Okay. So you said you started reading at the age of twelve. <laughs> I bought my first deck
1: at twelve. Okay. I literally did. Took my allowance money. <laughs> And I remember this vividly. So my family's originally from New York, but we moved to the Midwest, to Michigan, when I was 10. And I remember taking my allowance money and being all excited because I was going to buy a deck of tarot cards. This this is my focus. And what I ended up picking up was not a deck of tarot cards. It actually ended up being a deck of Lenormand cards. Lenormand is a different divination system but mm-hmm. I didn't know I was 12 and nobody yeah. was guiding me along but I picked this up and it was that little orange box that most everyone and I don't have the deck handy so I can't oh I can't think grab I know it. what you're
0: talking about yeah me. that
1: little witch's deck or whatever so that was the deck that I had I was disappointed because the cards did not look like what I had envisioned <laughs> and but I still when I remember this sitting in my bedroom with the curtains drawn candles on the floor and y'all have to remember I'm a bit older so this is the 70s this is the early 70s and so incense in the house was pretty common I'm a few hippies in the world but <laughs> so I had my candles going I had my incense going and I was sitting on the floor throwing cards trying to divine I wow. had no idea
0: what I was doing but it was fun <laughs> so before you got that deck you got a Lenormand deck but you ended up did you hear of tarot yes. were you always interested in spirituality more new age stuff?
1: I'd have to say, yeah. And a lot of it had to do with my oldest brother. My oldest brother was, and and to this day was all into esoteric stuff. So I would, he was off at, college when I was a little kid. He's many years older than I am. And when he would come home, we were having conversations about Egypt and the Egyptian pantheon of gods and eat extraterrestrials and spirit and all this Mm. kind of stuff. So this was conversation in the home my mother, even though she would never call herself witch, she would she was all into that stuff. Yeah, yeah. When I I saw the cards first in film, it had to be in a movie. It wasn't mm-hmm. somebody who was working with the cards that I knew it was mm-hmm. in a movie somewhere. And I'm gonna say probably the Wolfman. Okay. Yeah, that was probably <laughs> where I saw it. But the the interaction with the metaphysical world, I'd say, started back then and influenced heavily by my oldest brother i snagged his copy of the egyptian book of the dead Hmm. when i was probably it was in fifth sixth grade fifth or sixth grade but i was 11 i skipped a grade or two so Hmm. i was young and i had snagged his group his book and i was trying to learn how to write in hieroglyphics you? Oh my god. I remember my teacher asking me to write I was carrying the book of the Egyptian Book of the Dead to school. Here I am. Oh my
0: god. I love uh, it. So yeah, I was doing that weirdo stuff then. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's how all the grades start, is like doing some weird stuff like that. People are like, what's that? You're like, I don't know, it's the Egyptian uh, Book of the Dead. I don't care. Everyone you else is reading Babysitters Club, but you're like, no. <laughs> I'm no. reading the <laughs> Book of the Dead. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Oh my God. Okay, that started everything off. And then did you just keep reading and trying to learn more about it? And then okay, so my big question too is, when did you get a tarot card deck? And then were you just, um, were you like, oh, now I can do both? Now I'm- that
1: when I first got my first deck. And like many people, so this is 2023, I got my first deck in seriously working with the cards in the mid in mid 993, maybe? Early 90s. It was the mm-hmm. early 1990s. Yeah, it was the early 1990s. That's when I first got my deck and I started trying to learn how to really read with the cards. That was, yeah, that was challenging because... Working out of a book was difficult. It wasn't until yeah. I had my first real class that I started grasping it. Yeah, ninety three,
0: I think it was when I got my first deck. Okay, nice. And then you just kept going with it and learning more. And it is really funny that you said that. Like, it is really hard to re- to learn with a book. I yeah. realized, like, when I got older and I knew more about it, I was like, wait, actually, it makes it way harder. Like when you yeah. when you learn more of the like number associations or you learn about like the journey like the fool's journey and that kind of thing it makes it easier to learn it that way than just going through it and learning all the definitions because as as like a professional reader your definitions change based on who you're reading for based on your experience based on their experience so yeah reading out (laughs) through a book is a good point that is really hard it
1: was hard and it gets (laughs) it's just gets discouraging for a lot I, i got discouraged yeah. And I had a good friend of mine who literally said, don't give up on them. Keep trying. And then she said, I'm going to do a weekend workshop. You have to come. Mm-hmm. And that's really what got me hooked And that I still have those notes. I still, I talk about that even in my own classes. I still have the notes from my very first weekend intensive. Oh my gosh, and that's that was, so fun. Lord, that was like, so what are we, 2020? Okay, this is 23. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was... 20 I'm sorry 1996 maybe mm. 95 96 96
0: it was 96. Okay so you've been a seasoned reader that's awesome yeah. when did you start teaching and that kind of thing and oh
1: gosh that was not that actually I started with the meetup group. Mm-hmm. So our meetup, Northern New Jersey Tarot. And as I like to say, I was the facilitator. <laughs> I did not want to say instructor because we mm. were a bunch of people who were passionate about the cards. And that started, we're in year eight now. Oh, okay. We're in year eight. I th- yeah. And so we started eight years ago. It was a bunch of I was terrified when I pushed the button to create the meetup group. I was like, who's (laughs) going to want to come and hang out with me and read cards? I don't know. But yeah, it was a bunch of people we got together and we started the first meeting. It was just, hey, what do we want this to look like? What do we want to do with this? And we decided we're going to pick a book and work with it. And one of the first people in the group who I'm still good friends with today, who also reads professionally at this point. She said, I think we should work with, and she mentioned Mary Kay Greer's mm. Tarot for Yourself. Okay. And we started with that one, and it was a great entry. It was a great entry for I had already gone through that book in my own Mm -hmm. previous just my own study and that is a great book I thought fabulous let's work with that one yeah that's how we got started as a group and then now then I start then I actually structured formal class but Mm -hmm. that came a few years after so I've been teaching classes now for about five years wow and I have shifted from online in person to also virtual we have new offerings coming up pretty soon actually I'm doing a lot of work on that right now and yeah that's been a lot of passion and fun and it's a it is a lot of fun it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun
0: yeah what would you say is like your favorite thing about tarot in general what's your favorite thing about it
1: (sighs) oh there's several things first (laughs) of all i am really excited the story within the cards it's and it's a living divination system Mm -hmm. i always say that also with my classes is it is a living divination system and as we approach the cards every time we pick up that deck and shuffle And the story begins to unfold as we start to throw and the images start to hit us as the reader, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as you throw that card and you see the two or three cards lining up and the image just starts to flow in you, it's the excitement of that message as it starts to to congeal, come together. And you're a reader, so you know, it's like for me, it's like I see the message as a whole and then I have to deconstruct it put yeah. it into words and share it with the client. And that mm-hmm. but that even that is fun. I love with the, with the clients and seeing how as we start going through the reading and it's participatory for me as we're going through the reading and as they start to see, "Oh, I understand that. That makes sense." and we pull out the message that they need to receive. Yes. And then working with and then working with my students and when that light bulb moment hits them and you can see it in their eyes and as they start doing an interpretation of a spread and it is, it's, wow, they've got it. They really get it. All of those things. I could be exhausted before starting a class and then two
0: hours later, I'm like, wow, that was great. <laughs> Isn't that though so fun? Yes, oh my, and that's how you know you love something when you're like, I am so tired, but I'm gonna go just do this, and then you get there and you're like, I'm so excited. <laughs> exactly, it's you understand. I yes, understand. oh, I, I totally. And like, I love that moment in a reading when you see the client be like, Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense is my favorite phrase because I'm like, <laughs> I can even though, and I'm sure you know this. Like, as many times as many readings as you've done. When it makes sense, you still get excited. Yes. You're you like, do. oh, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I always yeah. think they're going to be like, did you think it wasn't going to make sense? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, you just, all we're here to
1: throw the cards and interpret what we see. Yeah. And that's the. It, It is a little nerve-wracking. It is a little nerve-wracking. Every time you throw the cards, you're like, okay, let's see. Am I getting the right messages? Am I picking up what is really the most important message from my client right now? Because we funnel that through ourselves, and every reader is a little different in how we pull that information in and interpret it. Can some days be spot on and other days can be a little wonky because maybe we're just not connecting as and you were. Maybe it was a reader studio class that you remember. I remember somebody saying, oh, hey, the Wi-Fi went down. I'm not getting the connection. Hmm. George. That was George Corey. I miss him. <laughs> oh, I think to him. he was a cool yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it get a little. It is nerve wracking, but it, it is, is great
0: when you get that.
1: Oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yes. I know what you're talking
0: about perfect oh my gosh so i'm just thinking and i'm gonna ask you to like if you've ever had a reading maybe that made you nervous or anything but like, this is a quick so one time i was doing these readings this woman like locally was having these girls night out events so she's like, oh we're a higher reader i was like okay cool and then at that point i was always doing i like to do readings outside yes I now don't always like to do that because it stresses me out. But yeah, (laughs) it can be so good if you're in the right venue. It's super fun. But sometimes if you're in a little more random of a venue where there's a lot of different people who don't really know what you're doing or at all, it can be a little stressful. So I was doing these girls night out events. And this one was like they had all these like little vendors. It was in an event hall. And Uh so There was a fashion show, and we're like, cute. Everyone was doing this little lingerie fashion show. And then all of a sudden, these dudes come out, and they were strippers. And I was like, (laughs) okay, great. (laughs) That's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah, so they were strippers, and they were stripping. And I was like, okay, whatever. Hmm. After the performance was done... This guy, one of the strippers, he comes up to me. He's in his little boxer briefs or whatever. Right. And he's, you read cards, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's, he I need to know if my girlfriend's cheating on me. Oh my gosh. I'm panicking. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, oh do we need to do this. <laughs> I
0: know. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I, I don't remember exactly what I got, but I know the devil came up. Uh-huh. And I was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I know whatever it was very indicative that this lady was probably cheating on her boyfriend <laughs> so I was like <laughs> 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 I was like, this card with these other cards, it usually um, means that she might be. And he's like, I knew it. And he called his other friend over. Oh and my God. The, Yeah, he had a female friend and a male friend come over. And they're all looking. And they're like, oh, my God, look at that one. It looks so bad. I'm like, oh, God. So Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to die. I trust the cards. But at the same time, I'm like, I might be ending this man's relationship tonight. And I feel very wow. bad about it. Your job is you're delivering a difficult message,
1: but all you can do is like all I can do is tell you what I'm seeing here. Yes, that's all I can do.
0: I know. I was you know. like, that's what I got, so I'm gonna yeah. go now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just see ya. Don't bother calling me again. Please yes, don't, don't ever don't call overla- me ever again. Exactly. <laughs> so all that being said is there because like i know a lot of tarot card readers have maybe their different like likes and dislikes or what they like to answer and what they don't like to answer do you have anything that you're like oh i hate when people ask me this question or i love when people ask me this question
1: yeah and, and that's that that's legitimate <laughs> yeah, and i think as is the case as you as reading styles change over the years that question has morphed I used to hate when people would ask me couples when couples would come and
0: say can you do a couples reading oh my god I hate couples and again you're right I see what you're saying "Uh, uh,
1: (laughs) yeah I it's still not something I enjoy doing but I do say if you are comfortable with your partner sitting here while I read I'm reading for you, and you're asking your partner to sit here. If you're comfortable, I'm going to read for you. And I let them know whatever comes up in the cards is what I'm going to share, since my responsibility as a reader is to give you the best possible interpretation of that spread as is possible.
0: You're so professional. And that's it. it.
1: Now, there are some, you'll get the, oh, ubiquitous, oh, can you just, I just want to know about my health. Is there anything I need to be aware of? And then I have to do the disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. This is, I can just, (laughs) we can look at what the cards want to share, but you need to go to a professional for that. Yeah. I do give the disclaimer. Having said that, if there's something that shows up that I can say, this looks like something you should address, look at, Mm -hmm. look into I share that and I can say I've legitimately, there have been clients who've come back to me to say that was spot on Mm because I found a growth or I found Mm -hmm. a thing. The good news, oh yes, I am pregnant now. Uh Things like that. Those are things that I am grateful that I am doing the difficult thing. Again, you have to give the disclaimer. You do. Mm -hmm. My opinion. Because I'm not a medical professional, but if I do see something, I will say something, mm-hmm. and then I do ask go see your go see your primary, go see whomever. But people have done that and listened and have done that, and they have had outcomes that they things that they needed to address, and that was important
0: okay, awesome all right <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna go to our next section of the show, yeah, now that Ron have told us all about her. Amazing tarot practice. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do, so we have a dish of the week every week. And this week we have a couple dishes because we're in New Jersey, so we're getting very Jersey right now. (laughs) Good, I'm good with that. (laughs) Okay. For our dishes of the week, we have a pork roll or a tailor ham, as some people say. Egg and cheese, which is delicious. I personally like a bacon, egg, and cheese in the morning. Yeah, not really into pork roll, but like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm with you on
1: that. I'm okay. with you on that.
0: <laughs> and we got some saltwater taffy, which has nothing oh. to do with salt water. Just so everybody... It's good. It's very good. When they it's just fresh. Yeah, when they just made it, it's really yeah. good. It's only called saltwater taffy because they sell it at the beach, but it has nothing to do with salt water, so don't worry, it's not salty. And then I learned something this week too. Okay, so we're gonna have some Campbell soup, which I don't actually really like, but Campbell's soup company began in camden in 1869 i did not know that me either and the headquarters of campbell is still in camden new jersey i did not know that i know i was like huh love that dish i know exactly campbell soups one of those things you can always add to other foods so i like it for that and then we're going to end the evening with some fat sandwiches because if you want to have a heart attack, you can go to Rutgers campus in New Brunswick and you can go to these food trucks and they'll sell you sandwiches that are full of whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there may be fried like fries, mozzarella sticks, cheese steak, all in one sandwich and that's what we call fat sandwiches yeah if you're not from new jersey and you've never had this experience you just need to experience once you can't actually eat them more than once a year it's not good for you it's very unhealthy so don't do that but you can just do it go to new brunswick and you can get it 2 a.m you're drunk you're hungry go eat one of those sandwiches you'll feel so much better after. oh my god <laughs> i
1: was afraid i'll be honest I was I was introduced, and I was like, "Yeah, I can't."
0: I <laughs> I'm the every time I've had one, I sit uh, there and I pick out the food because I'm weird like that. I'm right. like, I love these things individually, but I don't want to eat them together. Yes, <laughs> so I'll be like, I'll eat all the fries, it will eat the mozzarella sticks. Right on, that would be me too. Yes, That's not weird.
1: I get it. <laughs> I I get it.
0: Yeah, it's too many things, and no, I can't. I don't like that. <laughs> okay, what I'm going to do first is plug myself because that's what we do sometimes on this podcast So if you enjoy this show You can stop what you're doing if you're driving don't stop driving you can do it later But if you are home or somewhere where you want to you can Go and give us a five-star rating on wherever you listen to this whether it's apple podcast spotify google podcast stitch or whatever and you can go and also follow us on social media if you'd like so i'm at dine with the divine on instagram and i'm dine with the divine on facebook and i'm dine with the divine on tiktok i think i only have one tiktok video right now but by the time the show comes out i'll probably have more i'll try my best and if, if you would like to suggest any episodes have any comments or you have any stories that you want told You can always email me at DineWithTheDivinePod at gmail.com. And oh, and if you ever want to leave me a tip in the show notes, you can go down and there is a link where you can leave me a tip. You can leave me $1. You can leave me $5. You can leave me your family fortune, whatever you like. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. Okay so our next section of the show yeah our next section we're gonna is like a little tea time Rhonda is a professional tarot card reader so we're gonna talk about tarot and we're gonna talk I realized that a couple episodes ago we had talked about tarot and I was like huh what if people have no idea what I'm talking about you know they a spirituality-ish podcast but some people may not know about tarot so I was like let's have a little overview with a professional why not makes sense right on yeah so You're like, what is tarot? Let's say, let's all start at the baby beginning. So what is tarot? It's a form of cardomancy, which is divination using cards. So you may see, there's lots of different forms of cardomancy. There's tarot. And then Ron had mentioned earlier, we have Lenormand which is a french right it's french yeah, yeah Duh, it's called le norman well, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> french but there's history
1: there it comes actually the the le norman deck comes out of germany
0: to begin oh to which, yeah. i didn't know yeah. that yeah, okay like I, yeah. Alright, so now at some point we're going to have to do the History of the Norman. So, Rhonda, you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to talk about yeah. <laughs> Right on. Right on. Yeah, so we have that. Some people use playing cards. I know that like a lot of, I've seen in a lot of like different Caribbean and like Hispanic communities, I've seen them use a lot of playing cards. And I think even Romani people sometimes use playing cards, I think. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, so there's what we call 22 major arcana cards, and then we have 56 what we call minor arcana cards. And is my math right? 78, 78, 78 cards. You're wow, good. I really put 72. Hey, wow, yeah. look at me. <laughs> you sound like me. I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm really just out here making lots of mistakes. Okay, and then in those cards, we have 16 court cards, we call them, which depending on the deck you use, they'll be called different things. But traditionally, you start with a page, then you have the knight, then you have the queen, then you have the king. And those cards, traditionally, I find that even still for me, it's they're hard to read. Yeah. 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 That's a challenging section,
1: that piece right there.
0: Yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, is this a person? Is this a feeling? Is this whatever? It's Ooh, a lot. But it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, they're, but it's fun. So the cool thing about tarot, a lot of people will see is that people use it a lot in different ways. And most of the time, you'll find that tarot isn't necessarily just used for fortune telling. People use it for self development. People, a lot of people use it, um, like union. I can never say his name. Use it, Jungian. Y- Young? Jungian. Um, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that guy, Carl Jung. Psychology. They use it, and it doesn't have any ties to any specific religion or anything like that. But it does have a lot of elements of different religions within it. Traditionally, if you use like the most standard Rider weight tarot there's tons of stuff you can find on the internet there's been books written about it where they tell you specifically in each card like what it has to do with different religious elements Mm -hmm. and then there's some that are just obvious the devil card and things like that yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so a little like tarot history now this I don't know where I found all these facts so some of these I don't know if they're completely right so I'm not going to read that so the first thing we're going to read is that in the 1440s they were seen they were used as a game in Italy mostly and the first deck that was made was by the Visconti family so they were very wealthy Italian family at the time. And at this time, they po- used it to play, like, Terracci, I think is one of the names of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Terocci, and, yeah. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. And it was seen as, like, an intellectual game, like, something people would play, like, chess or something like that. Mm. And then, in the 1700s, this guy, Jean Baptiste Aletit... I can't... I'm not French. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah. Name. It a I'm just going to say that. Italia. That was his like nickname, I think. Yeah. I might not. Yeah, I might not be saying it, but it's fine. He was a famous French occultist. So he was the first one to write modern interpretations. So this is in the 1700s. We're going to get really into this in a minute. So just hold on to your hats. So then in 1888, the Golden Dawn, which is an occult group, they took really strong interest in the tarot and they started using it for divination. And they're actually the ones who started to popularize it. And one of the people, actually two people who were members of the Golden Dawn, one guy, his name was A.E. Waite. And there was another woman named Pamela Coleman-Smith, and she was an artist. They started doing, they started looking at the tarot, and A.E. Waite was writing out what he thought everything should look like. Pamela Coleman-Smith was drawing everything. So when you hear Ryder, Ryder was a publishing company. Smith was Pamela Coleman-Smith. But before they sometimes they used to call it Rider Wait, which is not fair because they leave her out. So it's really like Rider Wait Smith or Waite Smith is better. Mm-hmm. We don't care about the publishers right now. It's <laughs> not a thing. Yeah. What's more important is that A.E. Waite wrote a lot of it and then Pamela Coleman Smith interpreted it and she's the one who drew it. So that's the most popular deck that you might see. And when you're beginning. And you tell me, too, Rhonda, what you think, but I think. I don't really like reading with it, but I do think it's really important to learn
1: and understand it. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Definitely. You can get a deck based on literally anything. Say you love cats, you can find a cat tarot. You can find if you're, there's like a gay man tarot. There is an alien tarot. There's a tarot based on flowers, based on cars, based on literally, I don't know about cars, that's a lie, but I'm sure there is one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's got to be.
1: There's one on everything, as you're saying. Yes. Baseball, alcohol, everything. doors, everything.
0: Everything. I used to, and the, what was the website? You will know what I'm talking about. There mm. used to be a tarot, like, forum website. Uh-huh. And I used to love it. I think it's called Tarot Forum, maybe. Which you... one is this? Where you could buy, and, they sell? They sold a lot
1: of decks on there? or they? Um, no, know?
0: it was just like a website. It was a forum. And what they would do is they'd have all different types of, they'd have a section which is like tarot decks and you could click on whatever subject mm-hmm. and it would show you diff- like maybe nine different cards. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. used to love it. It was like a purple the background yes. of the website was purple. You know yeah, what I'm talking so about? it's so old. It's so old. <laughs> it's so old. When I started reading I would go on that website like every day. You could go on there you could ask questions to other people who were reading tarot they would have matchups for, oh, if you want to practice, like free mm-hmm. reading practice with other partners. But I liked it because I just wanted to get different tarot card decks. I just became obsessed with getting to, oh my God, I have, to, I have to get this mermaid one and this yeah. one based on crystals and all these, de- there's one based on oh tattoos. It's, it's, it's addictive. It's such a problem. Yeah, <laughs> it is.
1: It's the number of decks. It's pretty bad. I'm on pause this year. I think this year. No, seriously, this year I think and it's almost June. I have only purchased I've purchased less than
0: a dozen. Oh, that's good. That's good. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I know. I had to put myself on pause. I think like around like when COVID started, I think I sold I was like, okay, here's the thing. I love to collect a deck. But then I have all these decks. other people could enjoy and they're just sitting in my house and some of them like i'll get decks i used to have the alice tarot but like the big version oh my god yeah and which i spent a lot of money on but it was fine. i was very happy it's so pretty i did (laughs) but and i still have this small i bought this big one and a small one so i still Uh have this small one but There's so many decks I had that I was like, oh, other people could enjoy this. And I liked the imagery. But when I used them, I just did not connect. Yeah. So I ended up like selling a lot. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it becomes like an addictive habit to buy tarot cards. It's like a tattoo. Yeah, it's like getting a tattoo. I'm telling you, once you pop, the fun don't stop. It's just how it goes. You are so right. (laughs) You are so right. I know. It's (laughs) problematic. So speaking of tarot decks, Mm -hmm. there's different... Lots of different oh the last little historical fact we have here is that Aleister Crowley he wrote and created his own version of the tarot card deck which is mostly similar but he changed I think it's two cards in the major arcana he like flips them around. The Thoth deck Deck. is what it's called. And Elastor Crowley is also another subject for another day. Um, (laughs) We can't go into that right now. So there's different kinds of decks. So a lot of people use the Rider Waite Smith, which is the standard. And most decks are based off that deck. But some people do their own thing, which is cool. You have the Thoth deck, like we said. And then you have the Marseilles and Visconti decks, which are usually... Not like so the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, they have like illustrations. So also earlier when Rondo was talking about like making a story, it makes it a lot easier when you have those pictures. Yeah. To create that storyline when you're doing a reading. I think it takes a lot more practice to use like what some people call them pip decks or I just would say like unillustrated cards. So say it's like the card is the 10 of wands. It's literally will just be like 10 wands. It won't be a picture of, like, a person, like, looking down and being... It's not all that. Yeah. I think it takes a little talent to read like that because you don't have that interpretation right in front of you. And so if you want to do that, if you want to get a deck like that, absolutely go ahead. But if you're a beginner, it'll be a lot harder for you to connect and figure it out sometimes if you do that. But if you... What do you think, Rhonda, what do you think is your best recommendation for somebody? Oh, I really want to learn tarot. What do you think is like the best way for someone to start? To start. Yeah, that's. And this, there are several schools of thought.
1: There are people who have started with the Thoth deck and Mm -hmm. that is their go-to. People who've started with the Marseille style and that's their go-to. I started with Waite Smith. That Mm -hmm. is my go-to and Mm -hmm. that is. I would say the majority of people when they start the journey will start with and I would recommend like you said it's maybe it doesn't end up being your preferred deck to read with it may not but it's a great way to start because so many resources are use that deck as their source yeah they use it as their foundation and it is an old deck we have nineteen oh nine. We have over a hundred years of working with it and study with it and the amount since it does come out of that mystery school, the Golden Dawn mystery school, there was a lot of there was a lot of research, meditation and study into all the symbols that are in that deck. And using a critical eye, and I'm just gonna say this, if you're starting out in Tarot, it's an easy deck artistically to connect with since the art is not that intricate yeah but because it is somewhat simple it's again it's easy to approach at the same time when you understand that there's so much in every single aspect of that simple image you can take years of just digging through the layers with that deck so it's a great way to start and it gives you a lot of substance over time
0: yes and it was so funny even i i can't i was looking for this book the other day i have a book about each card and like how each card and even rachel pollock's book 78 degrees of wisdom, yeah. degrees of wisdom that. was actually one of the first books i read didn't understand it because it's not that complicated but it's like she's rest and power rachel pollock she's like she was she's so smart <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so she wrote this book and it's so good and it's so chock full of information that when I started, I was like, I don't understand this. I read it read it like three more times. But that is a really good book if you're looking for really intricate meanings and how everything is connected. She does a really good job of explaining everything in that book. And But I do recommend it after you know a little bit about tarot. If, you, yeah. if that's the first book you read, you'll be confused. But when you know a little bit, you'll be like, uh-huh. Yeah. She does a great job
1: of explaining. Things That's about. actually the resource book for in my classes. That is the one book that everyone needs to get. But I re, I use it in blessings to Rachel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blessings to her. It's I see it as a resource, though. And I say that for all of the books and I may be a heretic in the tradition, but here it is. <laughs> Every she Rachel Pollack, Mary Kay Greer, grand dames of the tarot. Absolutely, we know yeah. they set modern tarot today. They have influenced everybody. Yeah. quite frankly. But at the same time, they are resources. Mm-hmm. I don't. The the stress for me is the thing I want to impress on every reader: is there something you can look to and say, "Huh, that's a piece of information I can bring into my tool chest." Yes. But it is not the begin-all and end-all because yeah. it's a living divination system and you, as the reader, have to add your voice to it. It becomes something you can add to your tool chest, but it's not the begin-all and end-all. So yeah, for Rachel's book is... It's meaty. Yeah. It was a two volume set, I think, when it first was published. Now it's one, but it's meaty. And it yeah. takes two, three, four, five yes. times reading it to really <laughs> grasp all the stuff.
0: Yes. It's fabulous. It's so good. Okay. So we've chatted, chatted, chatted about that. We could go more into it, but we're just going to leave it at that. So I'm going to put some, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put some sources like in the show notes if you want to know more about tarot and like some good websites to look at. And some of the people we're talking, um, Rachel Pollock and Mary Craig Greer, am- their books are all good. They're like, like she said, grandoms, like they, you want to learn how tarot They're two of the best. So, all right, now we're going to go into our story time. Don't know why I sang, but this is what we're doing. Love it. (laughs) So, today's story time is like we mentioned, we're going to talk about the Golden Dawn. Yay! Yay! Okay. So the thing about the Golden Dawn is I had heard about Golden Dawn, obviously, because of tarot. And I never actually understood what the hell was going on or what this group was. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to do some research about this. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay, so this is straight out from Wikipedia because I love a Wikipedia article. So the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, more commonly known as the Golden Dawn, was a secret society devoted to the study of occult hermeticism and metaphysics during the late 19th and early 20th centuries known as a magical order the hermetic order of the golden dawn was active in great britain and focused focused its practices on thergy i will explain a lot of these terms in a minute and spiritual development many present-day concepts of ritual and magic that are at the center of contemporary tradition such as wicca and thlema were inspired by the Golden Dawn, which became one of the largest single influences on 20th century Western occultism. Okay. Lots of terms in here that I don't know what any of these things mean, but we're going to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Digging in. I love it. Exactly. So the first thing I was like, what's Hermeticism? So what Hermeticism is, the study of an occult philosophy. And Hermeticism is the study of these books that they believe were... Written or inspired by the Greek god Hermes, and/or in some places it says and, some places it says or. So and/or the Egyptian god Thoth, but <laughs> they feel that there are these magical books that were written by them, and they teach a lot of different things. A lot of this, this, a lot of these different initiations and rituals that end up being part of the Golden Dawn are in this these teachings. There was first the Golden Dawn came and they made like three orders of the Golden Dawn. And a lot of it had to do with also Kabbalah, like Jewish mysticism. Then they talk about the the four classic elements, earth, water, air, fire, which are all represented in tarot too. Like I said, I didn't go more, more into it, but in the major arcana, there's four suits, cups, swords, wands, and pentacles. And again, in different places, it's different different things but those are the basics and those are all they are all associated with different elements and then also in the golden dawn they teach about this is like the basis right the first order is what we talk about the first order they talk about the kabbalah the elements astrology divination and geomancy And then the second order, which is like the more advanced order, you start doing scrying. Like people talk about like looking into crystal balls. If you don't know what scrying is, that's what they call scrying. Or some people use mirrors, just different stuff. They start talking about astral travel and alchemy. And then the third order was the secret chiefs. And we'll talk about the secret chiefs. So they were supposed to be these highly skilled people. And they were supposed to be in direct contact with the spirit world. So... This is the levels in the Golden Dawn, like how serious it gets. The first thing that happened is, I think this was in late 1880. So this is around 1887. There were these things called the cipher manuscripts. There were 60 pieces of paper and apparently on them was written all these magical rituals and they were all based in the four elements. So this guy, William Wynne Westcott, he was one of the founders of the Golden Dawn. He got his hands on these papers From this other dude who was a Freemason. And his name was Reverend A.F.A. Woodward. And he was friends with another Mason named Kenneth R.H. McKenzie. And Kenneth R.H. McKenzie died. And then somehow Mr. Woodward got the papers. And then he ended up helping William Westcott decode them. According to Westcott. Now this is all according to him. According to Westcott, after when he was decoding and reading through these 60 pages of paper, he found a address to a woman named Fraulein Anna Springle. So Miss Anna Springle. And apparently she was a German countess and a Rosicrucian. So Rosicrucian is like another magical order. Again, we'll still, you can have a whole episode on Rosicrucians. But there was this guy named Christian Rosencruz, and he had this whole thing. And it was it's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. Just know that it was there. So... She was a part, she was apparently part of that group. And so he started writing to her and he's, hey, I found these papers. What's going on? And she's, oh, you found the papers. That's awesome. So what you're going to do now is you should start. We have a temple basically like the Golden Dawn, but she called it a messianic temple in Germany. And you can use those papers to start your own temple in England. And he was like, okay, cool. And then she's, and by the way, I'm in contact with the secret chiefs. Those is, this is the third order, the big, bo- the big dogs out here, and they said that it's totally fine. Go ahead in London and start your own group. And he's bet. Let's do it. So, out of all these papers, they created all these initiation levels, and everything's going well. So he starts writing letters back and forth to Anna, and Anna gives him the title of Adeptus Exemptus. So they, again, this is like the highest title in the Golden Dawn gives this title to Westcott, his friend Mathers, and his other friend Woodman. Because these are the three guys who start the Golden Dawn. And the temple, it consisted of five grades outlined in the manuscript. So they had all these degrees and all these different things you could do. But just know that now they've started the temple. So the whole thing that they did in there, because you might be like, what the hell were they doing? So what they did is what some people will describe as quote-unquote ceremonial magic or like big magic so what they are trying to do their whole thing is like they're trying to communicate with gods and big time spirits or and or meld themselves with these gods this is their thought process and this is why they're reading all these manuscripts and doing all this work because they're trying to get to the level that they can do big time stuff and this is a time in history victorians we're getting to the victorian age now They love metaphysics. I don't know why. They (laughs) did. Yes. They loved the medium. You think of the Fox sisters and like all these people. They love mediums. And I think it's because partially because they were so into like Egyptology too. Right. Yeah. They were obsessed with that stuff. So they were like, cool, we're going to try to do all this magic stuff. Okay, cool. No problem. Because that's the time when spiritualism was coming up. That's what, yeah. Yes, yes. And yeah. yeah, it's like when like the whole Western world was like, and this is cool. Like the other parts of the world, they were already doing that. But, but the West decided that it was cool at this point. So they all started doing it. Okay, in 1888, the Isis Urania Temple was founded in London. It was different in Mace, than Freemasons because women were allowed to participate and they were seen as equal as men. And that wasn't a problem. They did rituals. They did meditations, and they did all sorts of magical practices, but some were not taught in the temple because, like, they could only do certain things there. It was a whole thing. It's a club. Mm. So for the first four years, everything was cool. They had their own group. You know, they had all these levels. It's not like Scientology because I don't even think these people were paying for it. And I think they were just doing this because they really were into it. Okay. So then... They opened another temple because it got really popular and they called this temple the Osiris Temple and they opened this in Western Supermare and then they opened a Horus Temple in Bradford and if you can tell these are all based on Egyptian names and the Atem Ra Temple in Edinburgh so this is Scotland and then they even founded a temple in Paris so it's that popular that all these people were coming mm-hmm. and wanting to learn all these different things. So now by the mid 1890s, they had different people from all over in different temples and over a hundred members of Victorian society. They even had some very, some celebrities. So they had an actress named Florence Farr, an Irish revolutionary named Maud Ghosn, an Irish poet that you may know called William Butler Yeats or W.B. Yeats, the Welsh author Arthur MacKen. Um, the English authors, Evelyn Underhill and Al Lester Crowley. Okay. So then, done in 1896 or 1897, they don't know. Westcott, the one of the first guys, the guys who was writing back and forth about the papers. Okay, let's backtrack. Like a year or two earlier, Westcott, he says he's writing back and forth to Line Anna. And then all of a sudden he said that Line Anna died. And she was like oh do whatever you want the secret chiefs aren't talking to you anymore and everybody's like, what <laughs> so like, wow yeah so the thing is now they think that some people think that westcott never knew this woman that anna never existed there's not actually evidence that this woman was a real person they think he may have made her out for like clout to be like yeah like i found these papers and she said everything's great and we can open this temple So we don't know for sure, but nobody knows of this lady really living. They said there was a woman of that name, but she was not associated with any of this stuff. So he may have made it all up. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But what had really happened was in 1896. Now we're going back to where we were. He broke all ties to the Golden Dawn. What had happened was he he got in what they call a handsome cab. So this is like a horse-drawn buggy cab before because there were no cars yet. He got in a cab with all his manuscript, all these papers, and he left them in there. And I guess somebody found them and saw his name were on them. And they went to, oh, I forgot to tell you guys, Westcott was a coroner in London. So he had a decent job yeah especially for victorian times i feel like in victorian times nobody had a good job and everyone was miserable especially yeah. if you were in london like yeah, yeah. Either you had it or you had nothing exactly right? you were either aristocrat or you were like You're a just... sweep and those were yeah. like the only right? two jobs Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Exactly. i think i'm just getting all this from mary poppins but like <laughs> <Right>. exactly <laughs> But, so that was it so he was a quarter so he had a good job plus london was super polluted so a bunch of people were probably dying at the time and they had all these problems with horse manure they never knew where to put it it's a whole thing so somebody got a hold of the papers and they were like "Ooh, this guy's into some weird shit so they took it over to his bosses and his bosses were like sir we don't know what the hell you're doing but you need to stop because you're either gonna lose your job or you're gonna stop associating with all these people that you're associating with so he left And he's, I can't lose my job. It's 1897. I don't know what else I'm going to do with my life. So he left. So after he left, Mathers, the other guy, he appointed Florence Farr, one of that actress, to be the chief adept. So she ended up being like one of the higher up people. And then Henry B. Pullenbury, another dude, also became one of the higher up people, one of the chiefs. Or somebody who could contact the secret chiefs. Oh, that was the other problem. So Westcott said he contacted the spiritual realm to contact the secret chiefs. And then Mathers also said he did. But like Westcott, we don't even know if Westcott really did. And Mathers is oh, I I heard him too. We don't know if he did either. (laughs) And I don't know if Westcott looked at Mathers and was like, because if Westcott was lying, I wonder if he looked at him like, did you really? Mathers was like yeah of course I did And they were like yeah we don't know who was lying So it's (laughs) So then Okay now we're getting Towards the end of our story So in 1899 the adepts So the top people the Isis Arena and Atem Ra Temples they were dissatisfied With Mathers they didn't like his stuff And they also really, everybody really hated Aleister Crowley. They thought he was a weirdo. They didn't like him. Aleister Crowley wanted to be really ahead of everybody and in charge of everything. So everyone was sick of him. They all started trying to make contact with the secret chiefs, but they were relying on Mathers to make this contact. And then later on, Crowley decided that he thought he was better than everybody else. So he's actually I think I could be in charge of in contact with the secret, secret chiefs and I want I don't want to have to go through all these levels. I want to be on the fast track. Because Mathers was friends with Crowley, he let him like fast track his initiation and everybody was pissed. <laughs> they were like again, nobody liked Crowley. They thought it was weird. So they so they did that then a bunch of people were like that's the last straw we're totally sick of mathers we don't want him to be in charge anymore and then he had to end up stepping down because everyone hated him so after a while mathers realized he couldn't go back and he tried to make his own temple and the isis uranus temple broke away from the rest of the temples and now everybody's doing whatever. And they had different splinters of the Golden Dawn. Out here, Crowley's doing his own thing. He's got Thelema, his own, like, religion. And everyone's just pissed off. So everything started to fall apart. <laughs> like, they started to try to open... Different one one of the temples In the United States that didn't Really work out completely they opened one in Chicago but then after World War One everybody was like We're really concerned about the World War we Really can't do this (laughs) We can't be reading the clouds right now it's too much So we got to focus We have to focus on something else (laughs) So basically by the 1930s It was ridiculous a bunch of the Temples closed And then the At the end of everything, the last temple, which was actually in New Zealand, closed in 1978. And that's the short and hastened history of the Golden Dawn. But that's it, guys. There's not a lot more to it. (laughs) They tried really hard. They had a bunch of rituals. It was cool for a while. And then everyone got disinterested because World War I happened and then they ended. But some of the other really interesting members is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So that's the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes. He was part of the Golden Dawn, too. Arisa W.B. Waits. And then our friends, Pamela Coleman-Smith and A.E. Waite. They are all part of the Golden Dawn. So it's a really interesting... Again, I put a bunch of show notes if you want to read more about it. Um, but it was a bunch of Victorian people trying to contact the gods. And I don't know if it worked or not. Aleister Crowley, again, we're probably going to talk about him on an episode. He... I don't know what he did, but people had a lot of things to say about him, and he's a really interesting character. So we'll talk about him later. But
1: you did a great job giving that condensed version. <laughs> that was fabulous. That was fabulous.
0: Oh, wow. thank you. So that brings us to the end of this show. And Rhonda, I just I always copy this other podcast I listen to, Scam Goddess. It's very good. She talks about she always says, "Where do you want to be found on the internet?" Or plug yourself for a minute.
1: Where do I want to be found on the internet? So you can find me, Rhonda Allen at rhondaallen.com. That's R-H-O-N-D-A-L-I-N.com. And my classes, my meetup group is Northern New Jersey Tarot on the meetup platform. So Northern New Jersey Tarot at meetup. And I also teach at the Magical Path School. And that's magical with a K, magicalpathschool.com. And that's where you can find me. Yes, I have my socials. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Insta. I am not on TikTok. And it is difficult (laughs) enough to keep me on Facebook and and Insta. I have to admit, I'm not a fan. I just admit, I admit it. I'm just
0: speaking (laughs) my truth. It's very (laughs) stressful, TikTok. I love TikTok, but like for other people, I find it very stressful. I may be on TikTok for two seconds. Who knows? I might just delete it because I'll get mad.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get down the rabbit hole. It's just, oh my God, just more stuff to do. But it is fun. It is fun. So I get it. Yeah, it's
0: fun. Just the oh. time. But yeah, that's how you
1: can find me. That's where you can find me.
0: Okay, awesome. So I'm w- so happy. Oh, go ahead. I
1: was going to say, I want to thank you for inviting me here. This is a fabulous program. Thank you for everything, with, uh, in, in, including The Dish. Oh. We are in Jersey. <laughs> we needed to talk food, so I
0: appreciate that no problem thank awesome. you so much for coming on here this has been so fun yeah uh, yes this is one of those things that i get really tired sometimes and then i come and i get to talk to somebody and i'm like oh, i'm actually having a great time I'm actually full of energy you wouldn't know i was at work for like nine hours today so it's great oh my god <laughs> yeah but i'm so happy this makes me so happy Thank you so much to Rhonda again. And again, I'm gonna plug myself real quick. And then I'm Dying with the Divine. I'm Dying with the Divine on Instagram and Dying with the Divine on Facebook and TikTok. And if you love this show, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to it and if you want to follow me specifically ashley i am sankova hs that's s-a-n-k-o-f-a-h-s and sankova healing sanctuary on facebook and my first one that's where i am on instagram and i just want you guys thank you so much for being here and thank you for listening and i hope you have an absolutely fabulous week bye